to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. This episode is part of a special series about the Backloo Trail region of Newfoundland and Labrador. Join us as we explore the hidden gems of the Backloo Trail, from stories of phantom ship sightings to local art and history. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. In today's episode, we're back for part two with Terrence and Courtney Howell from Greats Cove Studios. Terrence and Courtney moved to Greats Cove over a decade ago and started their studio. The business has grown since, and they also have a restaurant featuring Newfoundland, Cajun, and Korean flavors, offer accommodations, and harvest their own seaweed to make their seaweed lotion. You can also sign up for cooking or art classes during your stay. In this episode, Terrence and Courtney talk about the history of the community and that elusive characteristic that makes Grace Cove such a unique and special place. The longer I'm here, the more stories I hear of the past uh, really playing a part in in today. You know, with the the land, the the rock wall gardens that are here, uh, people still know them by family name. Uh, they still, it, it it definitely feels like people carry their ancestors with them through the stories of these rock wall gardens and different areas of the landscape. And you definitely see it play a role in how this community functions in the in present with adaptations. Yeah. For sure. I always go back to Fran and Dave in the Stanford Gardens. I mean, traditionally they were used for enclosing their gardens and their uh, are uh, either enclosing their livestock or keeping the livestock out or dividing property lines. I just think of like where our neighbors lives, where, where we have one of our vacation homes, we bought the house from them, but the land that it's built on uh, has been passed down many, many generations. And it'll, you know, even though we now own the property, it's still Stanford Lane. Yeah. It's still... It's still like the history of it still belongs to the Stanfords. Just kind of thinking about how the Rockwell Gardens, they in many ways still seem alive mm. here. Uh, there's one in particular that we see, you know, when, when the, well, I guess when it's almost summer, when the grass starts growing, there's a particular Rockwell Garden where the grass grows at different heights and it used to be a potato garden. So it literally is almost like a ghost. You can see you can see the beds um, in the grass. So basically, you have these wave, these waving, blowing grass, and you can see the the ghost beds of the potato gardens. So it's kind of a, an echo of of something that was, and kind of still is. But it's. Um, but I think because you know the, these things ex- exist in other communities, and it may function the same way. I think one of the things that took me when we moved here, especially since we have a young child is that I noticed right away that even though the population here is really small, there's people of every um, age group here, every generation. You you still have fa- young families here with young children. And then people are kind of like in the middle, <laughs> you know, maybe in their 40s or 50s. And then you have an elderly population here. I think because of that, this community, it is a real living and breathing community and it's something about having the interaction of all those generations where you you hear the stories of of the past you you it all gets carried down here 
So I, I think of the woman who works with us. She's younger than I am. She's still in her mid thirties, but she has such a hold on I, the, the a hold is not the right word. Such a, and it's not even appreciation. She just lives. She lives her history. She talks about her grandparents constantly. Her grandmother just recently passed away and she was such a huge part of her grandmother's life and vice versa. But it all, but it's all because it's here. These generations are here. Mm -hmm. uh, they just live, they're all still living together. They don't have to travel to see one another. They're all here. So you, they, they tell all the stories of, um, the, of the Rockwall Gardens or, you know, the when families the families them. that own them, it just, it's just this little microcosm. <laughs> and I know that if we had moved where we thought we were going to, the experience would not have been this because the community where we thought we were going to go doesn't have, it doesn't have a large population, but there's no children. It's, um, it's, the demographic is larger. The demographic is different. Yeah, I really think the demographic of Greats Cove, even though it's small, it it plays such a huge role in in the living history mm -hmm. of here. It's it's magical. It really is magical. I see the woman who works with us. I see how she just naturally passes that on to her kids. It's beautiful. Yeah. And and the landscape is so huge in that because that's where the experiences are. You know, that's where you take your children and that's where you tell the stories and it just yeah, I mean, all it's, continues. It's on the barrens, it's in the ponds, it's in the caves and on the ocean, on the beaches and nooks and gulches that you can get your physical boat or body into. It's literally, it's, it's, it's your friend. It's literally entertainment and comfort. And sometimes there's strife and sometimes there's conflict. It's, it's, uh, it is, it is the nest that we call great school, I guess. And I think all of that combined with being at the end of the road, you know, really off the beaten path, it just makes it, maybe that's part of what the magic is <laughs> of this place. I don't really know what it is, but. All I know is it doesn't seem to fade. It doesn't it fade. It doesn't seem to fade at all. No, it doesn't. Which is great. Yeah, because we got a whole life here. So interesting because I think, uh, you know, coming to Newfoundland as, a, you know, a non-Newfoundlander and also a non-Canadian, um, a lot of the representations of Newfoundland are, uh, are the past and things that are in the past and no longer continuing. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting that you guys uh, talk about that continuation and kind of the, the feeling of like living history it is i was very surprised by that too when we go when we go to harvest or seaweed we go into a number of different places here in the harbor and when you go when we bring our boat into one of the gulch areas you can see the old tie-ons the old iron loops and hooks that men the men and, and fishers would tie onto and uh areas they would you know use to launch their boats and we are in a sense continuing that type of that type of uh activity and now we have a fisherman who we've hired mm -hmm. who's from the community who helps us harvest so he's grown up he's a middle-aged man he's in his 40s uh he knows this cove and the water oh. so intimately he knows every hook and crook of the place and so him going into the water and harvesting seaweed is as natural to him 
as, you know, going out in a boat and going fishing for cod. He just knows this environment so well. And it's such like a, a great example of that living history. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole time we're out there. The language that's used. Yeah. It's no, I mean, it's no different uh, than it was from a great grandpa. But he was using, he would use same, the same language. And it's specific to Great Scope. It's dialect, it's dialect here is specific to Great Scope. And Beatty Verd nearby has a different dialect. Old Perlican has a completely different dialect. You'll see similar uh, vocabulary used. For example, I, I grew up knowing what the gun love a boat was, the side reams of a boat. <laughs> But uh, my friend, the guy we hired, our friend Darren, he was building a boat last summer and he was talking about the Gullens and I didn't know what he was talking about. So he was, say, he was referring to the same, <laughs> the same object part of the boat, but we had a different language for, it, for that part. There's so much uh, specific uh, and nuance and vernacular from town to town. Uh, and, but then they seem to be all united in, in, in a similar way as well. Yeah, I mean, he's brought a lot to what we're doing now. He brought, he's brought a lot to the business. We were just really delighted to, to be able to bring people who, whose family lines were embedded here into the business. Um, it just feels more like family. Yeah, it's, it's really like we always talk that, you know, what we're doing out here is a way of life. And I feel like we live that, like whatever we're doing out here, whatever it is, it's, just yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a, just a way of life, a living history. It's it's really amazing. It's it's almost as though it is a small town, but you really don't feel alone here at all. No, you feel actually like people are looking out for you, and they are. Uh, your kids are protected when your eyes aren't on them. You know that town has they have their eyes on your child. So it is kind of like that whole the cliche of you know it takes a village. You do get that feeling here, especially with young kids. Yeah, I think it's a, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a jewel. You know, yeah. and, and I mean, it's hard living here sometimes. The environment will push back as much as it will give. Uh, the winter and springs here are vicious um, and equally beautiful, but we have, we all share in the push of the wind and the northerlies coming in the harbor and it's just a part of it, I guess. It's almost like because it's so harsh, it keeps you in the present. But that history is just right behind you this whole time because it, it almost took the whole knowledge of the history of this place to just uh, almost create, you know, how how you're able to live day yeah. to day and in and in the present, no matter the weather, no matter the conditions. Mm -hmm. And it's like something's whispering, this quiet appreciation to you in your ears when you're walking over the barrens or by the water. It's it's kind of like your ancestor telling you, look, here's this is what you had. Gold. But you see it when something happens, when you've had like a string of horrible, like I wouldn't say horrible, like really uh, foggy, rainy, maybe just intense weather that keeps you inside. And then I, I'm thinking of this one day in particular in the spring where, you know, the weather, it wasn't conducive to getting outside. And then this one day, the sun came out. It was this like brisk day. And this ice started to come in and everybody had been inside for, yeah, it, it felt like we hadn't seen our neighbors yeah. in forever because we were coming out of winter. And then uh, this beautiful day just pops up. This ice starts to flow into the harbor. And then out of, it seemed like out of nowhere, there were over a thousand seals just out in our harbor, just like, 
basking in the sun. And then everybody came out of their houses. Everybody was outside. It was, it was one of my favorite days here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's what happens. Like this, this whole environment just stops you. Yeah. It stops you. And it, but then it connects you as well. Yeah. And you get so many days like that when anything like that, it's almost like we're waiting. Like, what is this ocean going to bring us? We had a beluga whale that visited us for about six weeks a few years back. And it was, that's another example of just these transient objects moving by. And, and you kind of, usually they just keep going, but every now and again, you'll get something like a beluga whale or a thousand seals. A thousand and seals will just or polar bear or polar bear will circle your town looking for food or this wild ocean like it is biblical this ocean will move you <laughs> if you have any kind of a soul or at all it'll move you when it but gets... it's what connects people here yeah you're listening to the living heritage podcast in this episode i'm catching up with terence and courtney howe who own greats cove studios located in greats cove newfoundland and then people, like, you hear all the stories of the past. Like, uh, of course, like, uh, so many communities uh, around Newfoundland have stories of shipwrecks. And uh, what lives and breathes here is the Mali shipwreck. And it wasn't just the shipwreck, but it was what happened after the shipwreck. How the community recovered the bodies. How the community waked them and honored the people and honor their goods, yeah. making sure nothing was stolen. It, it showed what the community was made of on many levels. So you had 13 fleets of small uh, trap skips, which were not large boats at all. And they, uh, they went out to, for days uh, trying to recover the bodies. And then you had the women ashore who were, when they did recover the bodies, um, they would, my nan remembers, uh, she would tell me of, of, of how her mom would wash the bodies, her and the other women in the community. After the bodies were brought up to the lodge, uh, she remembers seeing bodies and, and her mom washing the bodies with the other, with the other women in the town. And there was a huge sense of grief because you felt that because these were, these were men that were lost at sea and numerous you know, families were affected by, by, uh, by the men that generally would go to sea. And you can go into graveyards at Great Scope and, and read the saddest kind of... Uh, script off of the stones of you know father and son lost at sea or all hands lost at sea it, it's it's uh it's something that definitely connected the community and yeah so it still a, lives it still lives yeah when did that shipwreck happen it was 1944 right before christmas there's a cross that's still here it was a small supply schooner so i think she was going towards central actually and people still say, like, she hit the rocks. People remember, like, there was, they can still, they say on the anniversary of the sinking, some people say they can hear the, the crack of the, of the bulkheads breaking apart as she hit the rocks. But it's, you know, it's one of the stories, uh, one of the many stories you'll hear in Outport Newfoundland. Everyone's got a, a scary story or a ghost story. So I have one more question for you. And uh, just to wrap it up, I... I'm going to ask you, what do you think is the hidden gem of Great's Cove? I I don't think it's a specific object. No, it's more of a feeling. <laughs> For me, it's a feeling. I think it's, uh, oh, it's such a hard question to answer. It's it's almost it's almost as though you have to immerse yourself to experience what that 
gem is for each individual. It's it, it's going to affect everybody differently. And it uh, does. And it really does. I think if you if you take the time to immerse, to smell, to see, to listen, um, it's like any other sort of sacred little environment. It's it's gonna it's gonna move you. It's going to affect you at some level. There's no one thing here, though. It's, I think, I, I don't know. I think it's just, <laughs> I really don't know. I think we've been trying to figure that out. We know it's why we're here, but we don't, we can't put a finger on it or really describe it with words. And we hear way. it from other people as well. Yeah. Like we've had two people here. There's a people here, a few people here from Ontario who have their summer homes here. And there's one family in particular, husband and wife, um, they, um, you know, they were on a trip to Newfoundland many years ago and they were just at a place in, I think their life where they needed, they had experienced tragedy in their life. And I think they were just looking for that peace, looking for something to, um, uh, and I'm, I don't mean to speak for them, but I'm just, you know, from talking with them, something that would almost like bring that new life back. And I remember hearing the woman say when they were driving into Gradescope and when they made that turn and drove in and the ocean and the community opened up, she knew that this was a special place and that this was the place. And I think a lot of people have that experience. I don't know if it's an object here. I don't know if it's the history, I don't know. It's something. We don't know what it is. I don't know. It's guiding us. <laughs> we don't know. But it's there. Yeah, it is there. And it's probably different for everyone. It really is. It probably, I think, something about this place kind of offers you just what you need. Um, and it may change. I mean, we've been here almost 11 years. And what I get from this place changes all the time mm -hmm. at whatever stage I am, I'm in, you know, in my life. Yeah. Which makes it hard to define. It does. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's kind of, when I think about my ancestors here, my, my great grandmother, she probably didn't have much scope in her whole world. This was probably her whole world. I don't know if she ever traveled even as far as like some of the larger centers. She was literally here her whole life in this little community. And that was all she really needed. Her, she loved this place. But she loved it. It was dearly, dearly. And she only moved 15 minutes away. No, my great-grandmother. Oh, your great-grandmother. So my great-grandmother. Yeah. Um, so she had some physical uh, um, problems with her legs. So she, she couldn't, her mobility was low anyway, but she was never, she never complained about where she was or not seeing the world or even going to the big city of St. John's. <laughs> uh, she was, I mean, she was so content here. And I understand that now. Thank you for joining us for Hidden Gems of the Backloo Trail, a special series on the Living Heritage Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. 
We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.